Anti-disestablishmentarianism. That's, that, that's what we used to think was the longest word in the English language. My kids corrected me last year. They taught me this. Pneumono-ultra-microscopic silico-volcanoconiosis. That's the longest word in the English language. It's, it's, a, it's a condition of your lungs from breathing in silicon from a volcano. You don't have to worry about that. In Thomasville, sounds a little bit like supercalifragilistic. Do you think that's hard to say? You think all that's hard to say? Try this. I am sorry. That's hard to say, isn't it? I'm sorry. When I was, talk- I was talking about this with, uh, with a group earlier this week, and uh, one person said, you know, that reminds me of uh, this scene from Happy Days. Remember Happy Days? Back when there were three channels? <laughs> Tuesday nights, 8 o'clock. It was the only thing we could watch all week. Happy days. The Fonz. Everybody's heard of the Fonz, at least. And the Fonz had trouble saying I was wrong. So you remember this? He, he would say, uh, he'd say, Al, I'm, I'm, I was... <laughs> couldn't quite get it out. I was... Yeah, any good apology, any real apology, any genuine apology has I was wrong built into it. It has you built into it. It has me built into it. If I'm apologizing, then I better be actually in it. That was Saul's problem, Saul in the Old Testament, the first king of Israel. Saul was asked, he was sent to do something. He was sent on a mission. The mission happened to be pushing back the Amalekites. Amalekites were like ISIS at the time. They, they, they created a bad neighborhood that was supposed to be a secure nation. Saul was supposed to go and fight them. But he was supposed to leave the spoils. He was not supposed to take anything with him. It was to demonstrate that that God was was clearing the decks, that God was going to secure the nation, and that their trust, their foundation for their lives, their trust was in God and not in their own abilities, ingenuity. But Saul did not obey. And then he goes to apologize, but you'll notice when I read this to you in a minute that He is missing from his apology. Why is it so difficult to say, I am sorry? Why is it so difficult? I think what we'll find as we explore this passage is the answer is pride. Pride. Let's take a look at 1 Samuel chapter 15. You know, if you're not used to looking through the Old Testament, start at the beginning. You can see the first five books, the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Then you've got a few books. And then it starts this narrative history of when Israel is organizing. And now the first time that they will have had a king, an official king, King Saul. Starting with verse 17, 1 Samuel 15, verse 17. Hear God's word this morning. And Samuel said, let me pause there. Up until they had a king, they did have a leader, a spiritual leader. He was a prophet. 
The prophets were the leaders of Israel. Samuel was the prophet. Samuel is confronting Saul. Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I've gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I've brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings as sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, And presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. May God bless us through this, his holy word. Let's pray together. Father, we don't always understand everything that we read in the scriptures but impress upon our hearts and minds and lives today your very word. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Why is it hard to say I'm sorry? That's our series. For the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at things that are hard to say, words that are hard to say. And the first one is this, I am sorry. Why is it so difficult to say I'm sorry? And the answer is pride. I remember the first time I read Mere Christianity, I was in college, and I remember Book 3, Chapter 8 of Mere Christianity, because it knocked me in the head. It sat me down. The title of that chapter is The Great Sin. The Great Sin. Now, many of you will picture what you think the great sin is. Murder, adultery, those outward things that we can see and measure and How little those are compared to the great sin of pride. Pride. Now, why is pride so corrosive? Because it's under everything else. Pride, if you peel back the layers of anything we're into, anything, any disobedience, any any way we stray from what's good and right and true and healthy in human relationships or in our relationship with God, if you peel back the layers, you'll find at the bottom pride. What's pride? What is pride? Pride is is a feeling of being superior to everyone else. 
including God. And that was Saul's problem. He wanted to be God. You say, well, where is that? Yeah, it's, it's right there. He, he is writing his own script. He is, is taking what God said, and he's fudging a little bit, and he's saying, well, you know, I, I did this so, I, I brought back the spoils so I could sacrifice them. And what he's doing is he's feeding what Brian Regan, comedian Brian, Brian Regan calls the me monster, right? It's this insatiable need to feed that feeling that I'm better than everyone else. How do you feel when someone's a show-off or a know-it-all? How do you feel when someone whips out, you know, some word like pneumono, whatever that was I said earlier? How do you feel when somebody tries to be better than you in your field? You know, the, the, the old saying, you know, two of a field will never agree, right? How do you feel when the very place of expertise or competence, someone else that you have, someone else is, is gathering the attention? To the extent that we feel annoyed by that person, that's how much we struggle with pride. It's an indicator, an outward indicator of of that great struggle that we have to feed this feeling that I'm better than, to feed this feeling that you are superior. And it is a feeling that is hungry, always hungry for more. It's insatiable. It puts me at the center, and it makes the foundation of of my life myself instead of God. And that's the problem. That's the real problem that, 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 uh, that Samuel is confronting in this story with Saul. And it makes it very difficult. Pride makes it very difficult to say I'm sorry because if my foundation, if my life's foundation is me then how can I really give a genuine apology? I have to protect me, right? I mean, you may say the words, but do you really mean it? Are you really in it? Is your heart in it? It cannot be if your foundation is you. Because here's the thing. When we mess up, if your foundation is you, is your pride, In your competence, your performance, your abilities, if that's your foundation, then your failure makes you a failure. But if my foundation is held in trust by God, if my foundation is my relationship with God, an established relationship of forgiveness, then, then my failures are just a failure in that thing at that time. My failures don't make me a failure. It it just means that I failed at that. Now, see, that's why pride makes it so difficult to say I'm sorry. So let's take a look at the risk to pride. Let's take a look at, at this one risk that we have to take and the two benefits we receive. We risk pride. We have to take a personal risk in order to push the reset button on trust and respect. First, trust. We have to take a personal risk. We have to risk our pride, risk our dignity in order to push the reset button on trust. What do I mean by reset button? You know, this is what I I say in our family, and I 
I, um, I say it better than I do it probably, but he, he, here's how it goes. You know, if, if you make excuses, then, then you're just explaining what happened, but you're not in the apology. And there's no balancing of the accounts. There's no reset button. But when, when you put yourself out there, when you say, I was wrong, I'm sorry, you're taking a personal risk and you're showing trust again. You have to be the first person to, to trust. Now, let me explain and paint a picture to you how important it is to have a foundation that's not you, that's God, in order to be able to do this. You know, the Olympics the last couple of weeks have been fun to watch, and I always am reminded of one of my favorite movies of all time, Chariots of Fire. The story of the 1924 Olympic Games, uh, Eric Little, the Scotsman, versus Harold Abrams. Harold Abrams is, 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 is Jewish by birth, but he's a legalist and a performance-based. Um, his heart and his soul are rooted in his abilities alone. It's as if there is no God in his life but him. Whereas Eric Little demonstrates a life of grace. And what happens in the movie is, you know, Eric Little, uh, he's supposed to run against Harold Abrams. And so it sets up this picture of of truth or or of grace versus law, right? Law-based life, Abrams. Grace-based life, Little. But the heat for qualifying for the, the, the gold medal round is on a Sunday. And Eric Little decides that he can't run that. He can't run on a Sunday. He makes a faith-based decision, but he's not being a legalist. He feels free to say, Lord, my life is in your hands. I'm going to trust you with my life. You see, he has a trust-based posture towards everything. And, and here's what ends up happening. What's amazing is it really works out for Eric Little in the end of the story. As Of course, he runs and wins the 400, which the heat of which is held on a different day. But then we see Harold Abrams, without the competition of Eric Little, running his race, the 100-meter dash. And he says the most poignant words of the whole movie. He says this, I have... Ten lonely seconds to justify my existence. That's a law-based life. That's a life based on my performance. That's a life whose foundation, when you peel back the layers, is pride. The feeling of being superior and the need to feed that constantly, feed it over and over again. And that's Saul. That's Saul, King Saul, the first king of Israel. It's amazing to me that in verse 17, the prophet Samuel says to Saul, Though you are little in your eyes. (laughs) Amazing. I mean, he not only calls out the king of Israel, he personalizes it with a very fine point. You see yourself as small. Aren't you? Are you not the king? Have you not been appointed by God to be king over all the tribes? And yet, you still see yourself as little, as small. 
It's pride. That insatiable, hungry desire. Never satisfied. Always needing to be better than. Better than. Jesus said, whoever would save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it again. You see, this is the counterintuitive part of what it means to trust. God is instructing Saul to be a model for the nation of trust. And he breaches that trust. He breaches it because of his pride. And even in his apology, he's missing. Even in his apology, he's trying to build himself up. Even in his apology, he's trying to say, I am going to make life work for me apart from God. And that's the problem. He wasn't really in his apology. Do you feel that? I mean, you not only understand it and think it and and believe it, but do you feel it? Do you feel that confrontation, though you are little in your own eyes? What do we do when we're caught? You see, that's, that's Saul's real problem. He's not sorry. He's only caught. If he had truly been sorry, then he would have been able to push the reset button. And Samuel would have recognized Here's a man who's ready to reestablish. See what happened with the next king, King David. King David, he, he strayed, but he was a man after God's own heart. He wasn't someone trying to make life for him, work for him apart from God. He wasn't trying to play games with him. He wasn't trying to, to toy with him. You see, Samuel quotes the, uh, another passage, but, but the important part here I want you to see is he's saying, uh, don't play games with God. Don't play games. It's, it's like that scene in Hamlet where, well, where Gilgenstern is, 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 is trying to manipulate Hamlet. And Hamlet pulls out a pipe and he says, can you play this? Do you know how to play this? And he says, no. He says, it only has four holes. You just blow through it, play it. You can't play this? And yet you play me. Saul is playing games with God. Playing Tai Chi. You know, Tai Chi is kind of like somebody tries to strike you and kind of goes, oh, he's just, he's playing Tai Chi with God. He's not really saying, here I am, I did this, I was wrong, I'm sorry. He's missing from his apology. Why? Because he has no foundation of trust. He's defensive. He's protecting his foundation. So you have to take a risk. Why do you have to take a risk? Here's the reason. When I breach trust with you, then I need to demonstrate demonstrate trust to you. I need to lay down my pride. I need to take the risk. You're handing over control. You're handing over a, a sense of, 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 of that order that I'm better than. You're risking. You're taking a personal risk. And you're saying, here, I'm going to take the first step of trust again. Saul couldn't do that. Saul wouldn't 
do that. So you have to take a risk. You have to take a risk to put the reset, push the reset button on trust. And you have to take a risk. You have to risk pride to push the reset button on respect. Once square one is established again, that is trust. Square one of every relationship is trust. Once that's established again, then respect can grow on square one. Respect can grow, but it takes a personal risk. When I first uh, was ordained and started serving in the church, I was down in Texas, and there was a woman who had been working on that church staff for 20 years or more. She had experience with several senior pastors over the life of her career. And I came in, and I had all kinds of things that I wanted to get done. And I, I stepped on her. I stepped on her toes. I ran over her a couple of times. And you know what? She, she confronted me about it and made me better because of it. She confronted me. She said, you know, that really hurt the way you handled that situation. And I said, sorry about that. Sorry about that? She said, sorry about that? I said, yeah, sorry about that. Sorry about that, Camille. Sorry you experienced it that way. Sorry you heard it that way. Sorry you woke up this morning. Sorry that you're a human being. Sorry, sorry you're on this church staff. Sorry that, uh, that you couldn't understand what I really meant. Sorry about that. <coughs> Stinks to be you. She said, when you, when you say you're sorry, say, I am sorry. At this point in the conversation, I was very annoyed with this person. But I was learning. I was learning that I have to be in my apology. I have to be there. I can't be confused for something else like a sacrifice. You see, that's what Saul was trying to say. He said, well, we, we, took the, we disobeyed God. We, we took all the spoils from, from, uh, from our mission. But, but we, you know, we, those people that I'm leading, they, they brought them back, right? Pointing outward, not to himself. And they brought it back to sacrifice, and he's making an excuse. So he puts an excuse in place of himself, right? So when, when, when we say, I am sorry, anytime we say, but, after that phrase, everything else that comes after the but cancels out, I'm sorry. Right? We know that, right? And that's what's happening here. Saul is saying, I'm not going to put myself in the place. I'm not going to say, I am sorry. He's going to say, sorry about that. But, you know, we did sacrifice these things. But, you know, those people, they, they kind of did it themselves. An excuse instead of laying down his pride. An excuse rather than putting himself in that place. And what is that? It's the coward's way out. I was giving a very wimpy apology. Sorry about that. How can respect grow when there is no risk and no courage? You see, once we reestablish trust, when we push the reset button with an apology, we can begin to demonstrate our trust. And we can begin to trust the other person to give us the respect that it 
we deserve. But we don't do it because we're afraid of simply losing respect by admitting that what we did. It doesn't feel like we're gaining when we're doing what Jesus said, he who lays down his life will find it again. It doesn't feel that way. But that is, in fact, what God is at work doing in and through us. Phillips Brooks, pastor about 150 years ago, put it this way. He summarizes all of what we've been looking at this morning. He said, the true way to be humble is not to stoop until you're smaller than yourself, but to stand at your real height against some higher nature that will show you what the real smallness of your greatness is. Let me read that again. The true way to be humble is not to stoop until you're smaller than yourself, but to stand at your real height against a higher nature that will show you what the real smallness of your greatness is. You see, when when you and I push the reset button on trust and respect, when we put ourselves in our apology, unlike how Saul did it, more like the way King David did it, we point beyond ourselves. We bring glory, not to ourselves, but we bear witness that there is a God, and it is not me, 